Thanks for listening to Hope Signals, the podcast of Life on the Verge. This is your host, Mark Mason. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. I know some of you are regular listeners, and we're in part three of this series, Blind Spots. Uh, trying to see the things we don't see sometimes that can hold us back from God's best. We're going to get into that for a second, but I do want to ask you to do us a favor. Would you pray for us? Just lift up a prayer when, you, you know, maybe during this podcast. I mean, I think all prayers matter if they're sincere and we go before the Lord in Jesus' name. We have a number of options and ideas of how to move forward, what we're going to do in, in the late, God willing the late summer and the fall and even next year, but especially the immediate future. There's a a number of things on the table, and we're trying to make decisions, and we just want to hear from the Lord, Um, and we know He'll confirm our steps as we take them. And so just pray that we we would hear, just pray for Life on the Verge Ministries. We would really appreciate that. I believe in the power of prayer, and we need you to intercede for us and pray that God gives us wisdom in uh, what we do and where we go this fall. Um, okay, I'm going to get into the podcast here. about and, and this one, in the first podcast, we talked about blind spots and the importance of self-examination. In the second one, I talked about a couple of common uh, blind spots. There are many more uh, other than what I talked about, a couple of common ones and, and some questions we can ask to try to discover blind spots, ways we can try to discover these things that may hold us back. In this one, I really want to talk about the ultimate way, uh, how to gain perspective and see a bigger picture. Uh, and this was, I cracked my Bible this morning and I turned to Luke chapter four and I began to read uh where Jesus said he came, he stood up in the temple or the synagogue and unrolled the scroll of Isaiah. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read the one line that tagged me. Jesus said he came to bring recovery of sight to the blind. I thought about that and I thought, you know, usually the closer we get to something physically, the more we lose perspective, at least in our periphery. Uh, we we bring it in close. Take an object and bring it closer and closer to your face, and your eyes almost auto focus on it. You have to make an effort to see outside of that object. You can do it, but usually, the closer you get to something, uh, the more you focus on the thing that's right in your face, and you lose that peripheral vision of what's around you. Everything else around you becomes blurry uh, and out of focus. Eventually, you may not be able to see much around you at all other than that object. Conversely, the closer we get to Jesus, the more perspective we gain, uh, the more that we can see. We're told in Hebrews 12 to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Uh, remember the old song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. We sing that chorus sometimes in prisons. Uh, the chorus says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Well, I I kind of figured there might be more to that song. I looked it up. It was actually written in 1922 by a lady named Helen Lemmel. And there are three verses to that song. And they really tell the story about how we get closer to Jesus. In the first verse, it says, O oh, oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There is light for a look at the Savior. 
and life more abundant and free. So the first step to getting closer to Jesus is to confess and and to repent and to turn to him and be born again. You know, let me back up a little bit and and say, you know, I say ultimately the, the way to stay in tune with your life is to be plugged into the tuner. And frequently I'll use the word of God as an example or connecting to church and worship and, you know, prayer and those things are how we stay plugged into the tuner. But Jesus is ultimately the tuner. We are the branches. He is the vine. We stay connected to him. We abide in him. Then we bear fruit to the glory of God. So when I, when I thought about all that, I, that's what spawned the question. How do we get closer to Jesus? When people say they want more of Jesus, what exactly does that mean? How do I get closer to God, period? And that led me to the song about turn your eyes upon Jesus. And that first, the first verse says, okay, re- repent of your sins and turn to Jesus. You know, oh, soul weary and trouble, no light in the darkness. You're in the darkness, but there is a light. Look to the Savior and enjoy the abundant life, is what the verse says. We get closer to God when we believe on Jesus Christ as the Son of God who died for our sins, which is obviously uh, not something that we can do just on our own. I love what uh, my pa- my friend Pastor Ron Johnson down in uh, Florida says. He said, you don't come to God when you want to. You come when he calls you. And you know that. You, those of you that have been born again, you know. Oh, suddenly, you have a knowing in your spirit. Even though it might not make sense to your carnal mind, you just know Jesus is who he said he was. Your eyes are opened and you are born again. You take up the Apostles' Creed as your core belief, which says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Catholic Church, which means universal church, by the way, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. That is the Apostles' Creed. That's suddenly you come to grips with that and you believe on that and your eyes are open to what God has for your life. You get to, the closer you get to Jesus, the more perspective you gain. Suddenly, we know that we know that we know Jesus is who he said he was, and now we see a bigger picture of life with an eternal perspective, God's perspective. Well, verse 2 takes us a step closer. Through death into everlasting life, he passed and we followed him there. Or let us, or let, over, a sin no more hath dominion. All those old hymns use or instead of over. Let me read the whole thing again slowly. Through death into life everlasting, he passed and we follow him there. Over us sin no more has dominion, for more than conquerors we are. The instruction here is that once we are born again, to be open to the Holy Spirit to show us the sins in our lives, that we're saved, we're, we're, we're being sanctified, we're justified before God, but we still struggle with sin. We still have sin in our lives that can limit us, that can hold us back. Uh, it can separate us. Paul said it can sear our conscience. You know, God doesn't move away when we willfully sin, by the way. We do 
He's still there. So we're told to mortify the flesh, to crucify the flesh and its sinful passions. That's another way we grow closer to Jesus and get a bigger perspective. Sin separates us. You, you know, when we miss the mark, that's what sin means. Um, we create a divide between us and God. Again, God doesn't move. We distance ourselves. And you know what I'm talking about. Look, take marriage or a friendship, for example. It's hard to have deep fellowship uh, with, with a spouse, intimate fellowship, when you know that you've done something that if they knew, it would hurt them. So the instruction in that verse, you know, there's so much doctrine, uh, sometimes not the greatest, but some, there is some great doctrine in these old hymns. So in the first verse, she's saying, be born again, you know, and then the second verse, start to work on the things that are in your life that create a divide. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Come closer to God. Whatever We want to get closer to God because it gives us greater perspective to see the blind spots that are holding us back in our lives. Verse 3 says, His word shall not fail us, he promised. Believe him, and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. What a great progression. Be born again, enter into the abundant life. Begin to crucify that flesh and go after the sins in your life. And that's a lifelong process. Don't get me wrong. Not a heaven or hell issue. You know, there was a great preacher from old. I can't remember his name. He said, you better be killing sin or sin's going to be killing you. So that's the second verse. The third verse tells us, what do we do next? Well, we go to a world that's dying. His perfect salvation to tell. If we begin to walk as Jesus walked and we begin to follow Jesus, you know where he's going to lead us? He's going to lead us to the broken, the hurting, to the people I call the ready to receive. People that are in vulnerable places. So how do we get closer to Jesus and start to see these blind spots? Once we've been saved, once we're not living, you know, with uh, willful sin in our life over and over and again that we know God is putting his finger on it. Well, we've worked on those things and he's going to continue to do that. But we're walking with Jesus. Well, you want to see more of Jesus? Go to where he's at. Where is he at? He's among the vulnerable. He said, I was sick. I was naked. I was thirsty. I was hungry. I was in prison. Isn't it? It's amazing how a, a missions trip, for example, can change your life because you suddenly get a bigger perspective of the world. You know, a great illustration, if you've heard of a guy they call the machine gun preacher. I think he was like a biker, and he decided to take a missions trip to Africa. I can't even, I don't know much about it. I didn't watch the movie. I just kind of briefly read the story a while back. But uh, he took this mission. I think it was Kenya, maybe. It was where there was a lot of war. And these warlords were taking children and kidnapping them, taking them back to camps and training them to shoot machine guns and forcing them to become part of the enemy. And the machine gun preacher guy, when he took that missions trip, he saw that. He suddenly saw, you know, can you imagine what maybe he was worried about? What was the front page news in his life? You know, am I going to make enough money to pay the mortgage this month? Am I going to, oh, I got to get the oil changed in the car. I got all these tasks. I got all these duties. Then he took this missions trip and he realized, oh, my problems are minimal. You know, I, I, he saw a bigger picture. He got closer to Jesus. And he took on the task. He set up 
a camp and begin to go back and kidnap these children back and lead teams to do it. Crazy story. Um, but we start. the point is we start to see our blind spots when we draw closer to Jesus. When we believe on him, when we begin to resist sin, and then we go to where he is. Luke chapter 4, the whole, I'll read the whole scripture where I, I drew that line, uh, recovery of sight to the blind. Jesus said this, this is how he opened his ministry, okay? He was baptized, full of the Holy Spirit, went into the wilderness, tempted of the devil, overcome the devil, went to the synagogue as was his custom, stood up in the synagogue, unrolled the scroll of Isaiah, and this is how he publicly began his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We want a better perspective. We want to get closer to Jesus. Take on his mantle to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, release to the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Listen, the greatest promise, or one of the greatest promises associated with following Jesus into, into dark places so that we can shine his light is found in Isaiah 58, verse 10 and 11. I love this. If you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light will go forth in the darkness, and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always guide you, he will satisfy you in a sun-scorched land and strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Man, I see this. You know, I get in these grumpy moods. I get in you know, negative moods, and I begin to look at all the things I have to do. And But when I actually get out there among the vulnerable, among the ready-to-receive, usually in prison, suddenly the lights come on again. Oh yeah, there's a bigger picture. I begin to realize, man, you know, maybe it was a denial spot. Maybe it was a blind spot, but I, I had these things in my life that were hindrances. And suddenly I see what's really important in life and that God is with me and he shows up every time. You know, when I became a youth pastor for the very first time, I was, I was coming out of forensics, uh, working with the Norfolk Police Department. I had been a police officer uh, maybe seven years at that point. I later went back and did about three years, so about 10 years in law enforcement altogether. But when I first went into uh, full-time youth ministry, I was coming directly from three years on the streets of Norfolk processing the most heinous crime scenes you can imagine. And it uh, you talk about giving you perspective. I wanted to do something more, and that led me to volunteer at my church, which led me into eventually full-time ministry. Well, when I got there, I realized, you know, I, I'm dealing with a bunch of kids that probably deal with what can be a blind spot in all of our lives, and that is the idea of entitlement. And I wanted to give them great perspective. So I went there August of 95, the end of August 95, really got the ball rolling through September. The week of Thanksgiving, when the kids were off to school, I scheduled a trip to take them to John Hopkins Pediatric Unit, where kids are dying of cancer and leukemia, just to do crafts, to make hand turkeys with them. And then we went to another long-term care facility for disabled children, children that were born deformed, 
children that are blind or they can't see or they can't live without machines. And man, it gives me chill bumps and gives me perspective right now. Um, You get close to Jesus when you do that. You get perspective. You begin to see a bigger picture. The things that you, you suddenly realize, oh, there are blind spots in my life that I did not see. I spend too much time worrying about trivial things all the while, you know, and, and God will meet our needs, the things that we worry the most about, if we'll tend to what's most important to him. I believe that. I wanted to give those youth perspective, and it did. So I, I took them to a place where I knew Jesus would be. When we start to do that, we start to see the blind spot. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we see. We stop complaining and we start thanking. We start seeing how blessed we are. I know that we can't always go, but we can sometimes go. Listen, we can be involved in something that puts us among the vulnerable. And even if you can't go all the time, you can pray, you can give, you can be a part of. You can be... um, what I can't remember his name that wrote the book about the Protestant work ethic and the true capitalist. We use I think I talked about that in a previous podcast. Um, the true capitalist, where that term came from, at least many say, is the person that works to have a you know enough for their family to bless their family, but they don't overdo it. They don't just constantly satisfy the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They realize that their role, the reason for their vocation, ultimately is to provide for their own, yes, but to make abundance so that they can tie in to what God is doing in the bigger picture of the world, a.k.a. be part of what we call missions today. And man, I've seen you know the church that we're a part of that is our base church. I have known this pastor for 30 years, Pastor Stan Grant. Man, do I love that guy. He's the same guy I met back in, I think, 92. And I I can't boast enough in in the example that I've seen in that man. When he was a youth pastor, um, he knew that he he didn't really come from a silver spoon, but he came from a a very blessed family, Um, I guess a a traditional nuclear mom and dad, love the Lord, go to church, has a rich Christian heritage. He made it his goal to give to missions at every opportunity as a youth pastor. There's a thing in the Assemblies of God, which is what he is a part of, and it's called Speed the Light, and that's the youth arm of giving to missions. And that was the front page m- m- uh, news constantly for that youth ministry. Speed the light, speed the light, speed the light, speed the light. We got to give to Speed the Light. We're raising money. We're doing a golf tournament. We're doing this, that, and the other thing for Speed the Light. Well, when he launched this church, he took over, I think it was 10 or 11 people, and they were meeting in a house. And he said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take up offering every week, and 10% is going to go to missions. We're going to tie to missions outside of ourselves, not our own local outreach, not our own, you know, uh, TV show. And and that can be valid. Don't get me wrong. But we're going to actually give to missionaries around the world. Well, you can imagine that wasn't a whole lot in the beginning. Well, that church has grown over the past 20, 25 years. And for the, they kept that pattern. We're going to give 10% of whatever comes in to missionaries. And we get to be a a beneficiary of that, by the way. And over the past, I want to say five years, he set a goal to give a million dollars a year to missions. And they have achieved that goal every year. It is absolutely amazing how God has blessed that. And this isn't a podcast necessarily about just about missions. It's the idea that we all have blind spots in our life and we need better perspective. 
Therefore, we need to get closer and closer to Jesus. How do we get close to Jesus? Well, first we turn to him and we're born again. Then we execute the things that are separating us from him as we see him, the willful sins in our lives. We ask him to show us the sins that we don't even realize. And we we try to limit those things, get those things. We fight against those things. We rest in his grace, and then we get busy spreading the good news to other people. We get busy putting ourselves among the vulnerable, among the ready to receive. We go to where he is, and then we gain greater and greater perspective. I'll close with two examples. One I've maybe shared before. But we went all the we we've done this a few times, and this is also an option on the table in the future to pray about. But we were doing the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally just about every year, and you know, in in that mixed crowd, there's vulnerable, vulnerable people everywhere. There's people ready to receive everywhere, um, but a, most people were there, you know, to party, have a good time, take a load off. But we showed up to try to share the good news at Sturgis, but. I want you know, we we latched on to Tony Loeffler's ministry and he was doing events in the Montana prisons. So we began to do that. I think we did it uh, at least 3 or 4 years. We went out we we did Sturgis for almost 10 years, but 3 or 4 times at least. We also did these Montana prisons. We did them with Tony, we did them on our own. We took a team out there and we we went to we did this place called uh, uh what's it called? It's called Passages. It was next to Montana Women's Prison in Billings, Montana. And uh, it's kind of, I guess it's got different levels of security. Uh, it's, it's not part of it. Maybe the lower level is kind of a halfway house. And then you go up a level, it's, the security is tighter. You go up a level, it's like full custody. And so we would do every floor. It's funny. We would go in to the first floor. We'd do something on the first floor. We'd load all the sound equipment into an elevator go up to the second floor, do an event there. It's a women's facility, by the way. And then we'd put all the equipment in, we'd go up to the third floor. Well, I guess we were on the third floor, the full custody floor. And I, there, if there was 100 uh, women in the room, is not a very big room. It may have only been 75 or something like that. But we would do our whole spiel. And I was up there, we were doing our music, and uh, I played along with Tony guitar, and then we did our thing with Susan and I. And I noticed this one girl, she just blank look on her face the whole time, despondent. All the other girls were just clapping along and celebrating and having a great time. And she looked like she was there, but not there. And the Holy Spirit just kept leading me to look at this girl. And I'm like, what's going on? And finally, uh, at the end, I walked over to Susan and I said, hey, that girl. At the end, I gave an altar call and this girl raised her hand. So I was like, well, she's not you know, somebody that's being antagonistic or against what we're doing and there unwillingly or anything. She obviously has an open heart. She raised her hand to receive Jesus. But she stayed seated when everybody else stood. And I, I leaned over to Susan. I said, that girl, something's going on. She raised her hand and maybe you ought to talk to her. So Susan went over and talked to her. And we've posted this picture uh, in a number of places and a couple of videos of Susan praying with her. What we learned is that she was in prison for uh, drug addiction, you know, drug, drug crime. Got caught with drugs, using drugs, possessing drugs, something like that. And while she was in prison, she was pregnant. She gave birth to a baby, and it died in her arms just a couple of days prior. 
And let me tell you how that cured a blind spot for me, that Susan was able to pray with her. And we were able to carry a little bit of her burden. We couldn't cure everything, but we could show that we cared in Jesus' name. I would, you know, I look at traveling all the way to Montana. It is an extremely expensive trip, if you can imagine. We get seven miles to the gallon in the RV to go all the way out there uh, to do, you know, ministry that we could do in in Virginia at the time. We're having a hard time in Virginia right now. Uh, Now we go down to Florida. But we went all the way out to Montana. Tremendously expensive and taxing physically trip. It gave me perspective to say, you know what? If it took all this money, all this fundraising, all this energy, effort, driving, just to be there for her, Jesus would do that. Isn't that amazing? That's how a blind spot, I mean, finances can be a blind spot, right? Um, Oh, that costs too much. Well, nothing costs too much if Jesus is in it. Thus, we're, we're contemplating down the road a future trip to Montana. We got other stories we can tell how God connected us there in Billings and then further west in Montana. You know, Paul said that the Lord had opened up a effectual door of ministry for him. And that's a place where the Lord has led us to be. And it's a declaration of value to those that are ready to receive that vulnerable place. To look at that little girl and say, you know what? God loved you so much that he caused these people to give to our ministry so we could drive all the way across the country to let you know he has not forgotten you or forsaken you. Man, I get a little choked up thinking about it. Um, perspective, right? Let me see a blind spot that, that there's no cost too high to show one person that Jesus loves them and has not forgotten them or forsaken them. Now, let's take it to you and where you live on Monday morning. There are hurting people ready to receive people, vulnerable people, all around you. And like all humans, unless we have been hit by a massive calamity like this little girl talked about, we put on a mask. So we really need the Holy Spirit to lead us to those people. Jesus is there. Where is he? He's among the blind and the broken and the captives, the hurting, the vulnerable, the hungry, the naked, the sick, uh, those that are in prison and bondage. So I, I've shared this story many times, I probably about when I was a Norfolk police officer and somebody said something from a pulpit that made me realize, oh, no, I'm not. I'm a missionary to the streets of Norfolk, cleverly disguised as a Norfolk police officer. And when I began to go to work and pray in that long commute every day, Lord, lead me to somebody today. Lead me to somebody today. Let me see. He sure enough did it. And I, I found myself praying with people, I've shared it before, in their front yards, in their living rooms. Uh, somehow they said something or did something that exposed their vulnerability, and I felt prompted of the Lord to speak to them. I, I told you about leading the security guard at the morgue at 3 o'clock in the morning on a cold winter's morning over the body of a, a, a kid that had been killed in a drug killing. I was at the morgue fingerprinting him. We started talking about death and eternity. Ended up leading him to the Lord. He was more vulnerable than I realized. So how does that apply to you? Well, it's the same thing. Lord, lead me to the vulnerable where I'm at. Maybe you can't go to Africa and strap on a machine gun and, and you know go grab kids away from the enemy and, and take care of them. Maybe you can't go into prisons. You can be a part of that through your giving, obviously, through your praying. You can be a part of ministries in your church. But even at work every day, in the community, 
You can say, Lord, today use me. Take me to where you are. Take me to the people so that I can gain perspective. And it's so amazing how we gain perspective when we listen, when we look a little deeper, when we learn about the deep hurts and burdens in the lives of other people, when we get the big picture. Listen, I, I hope this uh, this helped. Uh, you know, I obviously can't cover it all in a couple of uh, couple of podcasts, but the important thing to remember is that we have blind spots in our life. All of us do. I do. You do. And maybe through your life, you, you've overcome some of them. You've gotten a wider perspective. There's still areas where God wants to reveal himself. And w- we can discover them through self-examination, asking tough questions of ourselves. Uh, we can discover them through asking people that we love and trust, hey, are there areas in my life that are causing friction? Or do, can you see things that I don't see? Uh, we also discover them through getting closer and closer to Jesus. We get closer to Jesus when we turn to him for forgiveness of sins. We get closer to Jesus when we go to war against the sins in our lives that cause our lives that cause separation. And we get closer to Jesus when we put ourselves where he is all the time, 24-7, 365. He is among the vulnerable. He is among the needy, the hurting, the broken, the blind, the bruised, the ready to receive. I hope that helps. And uh, we'll be back with you with a new series. I don't know. You know, I, I just kind of share these things as the Lord puts ideas in my mind, I guess. And I don't really have an idea for the next series. But uh, be praying. You know, I just kind of ramble about what God's kind of showing me and hope that maybe it helps you. I appreciate any positive feedback that, you know, just lets me know you're out there. And uh, you can share this podcast if you think it'll help other people. Uh, I haven't put a lot of effort into growing it necessarily. Maybe I will one day. I just wanted to do this as a way to give back to some of you that give to our ministry to say, well, I can maybe share some encouraging words. And so that's why I've taken on this task. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Sometimes falling angels fly. Just a reminder that Life on the Verge is a debt-free, fully donor-funded 501c3. All your gifts are tax-deductible, and we appreciate them. You can find out more at Life on the Verge. Make your donation there, or you can find the address to mail your gift to. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate you so much. God bless.